the 10th roundtable discussion produced by Transparent Media Truth. This episode was recorded on July 14, 2020. One of the first acts of the U.S. Congress after passing the Coronavirus Relief Fund was to pass a lesser-known act which fast-tracked the rollout of the new 5G infrastructure throughout the United States. This came at a time when most Americans were engaging in enforced shelter-in-place orders across the country and had no recourse to ordinary rights of assembly, which may have been utilized to raise awareness and even used in an attempt to slow or stop the proliferation of this dangerous new technology. Governments and telecommunications corporations discount scientific evidence which clearly shows the appearance of cancer clusters as well as a variety of other illnesses as a result of electromagnetic smog in the environment. Our guests on the show today have both experienced family tragedy as a result of damage caused by EMF radiation poisoning. This personal loss motivated both of them in different ways to combat this multi-trillion dollar industry. Eric Windheim, after working for years in solar energy design, discovered that the level of dirty electricity in his parents' home was 196 times over the danger limit and 2.5 times over the extreme concern level, contributing to his mother's recurring cancer and father's chronic illness. He came to realize that the human body has its own electrical system that is easily overwhelmed by the presence of powerful EMFs in the environment. This awareness prompted him to dedicate his life to assessment and remediation of EMF pollution around and within residential and commercial properties. He is a certified building biology ecology consultant as well as an electromagnetic radiation specialist and is the proprietor of Windheim EMF Solutions, providing inspection, testing, measurement, risk assessment, and abatement of hazardous EMF levels in and around places of work and residence. Find out more at windheimemfsolutions.com. Our second guest is Virginia Farver. After losing her son to brain cancer connected to a cluster surrounding a cell tower located on the San Diego State University campus, Virginia felt compelled to expose the dangers of EMF radiation in order to prevent others from suffering the same fate. Her research led her down a rabbit hole of corporate and state corruption that resulted in the realization that a deeper agenda was at work. After working to expose the danger presented by smart meters, she came to understand the connections between the 5G rollout and the larger plan of Agenda 21, which includes the use of this new technology to create an entire smart grid total surveillance state capable of tracking our every move while exposing each and every one of us to an electromagnetic smog more powerful than the human body has ever endured before. Stay tuned as our guests discuss both the safety and privacy concerns involved in the current 5G rollout and discover what you can do to stop it, or at least what you can do to mitigate the effects on you and your family. I will be your host. My name is Doug McKinty. You can find out more about my weekly interview program, The Shift with Doug McKinty, on YouTube and Facebook, at McKinty on Twitter, or at theshiftnow.com. As always, I would like to thank producer Rob Rubin for putting this all together. You can find out more about him and check out all the roundtable discussions at Transparent Media Truth on YouTube or at TransparentMediaTruth.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your seat at the roundtable. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to this, the 10th roundtable discussion. I'm joined this morning by Eric Windheim and Virginia Farber. We're going through uh, the whole 5G question, what's been going on with the rollout that's been happening ever since the lockdown due to the coronavirus pandemic 
Uh, and so hopefully we'll be able to clarify things, answer a lot of your questions. Uh, I'm just going to start by asking the two of my guests to describe themselves, a little bit about their history and why they're passionate about this subject. Uh, Eric, do you want to go first? Sure. My name is Eric Windheim. I'm a trained and certified building biology environmental consultant and a electromagnetic radiation specialist trained by the International Institute for Building Biology and Ecology. So we are house doctors, not body doctors, but you can't stay well or get well in a sick house. So what we do is we come to homes and we detect, measure, assign a risk level for all four EMFs, electric fields, magnetic fields, wireless radiation, and dirty electricity. And then most importantly, we propose or effectuate proven solutions to remove, reduce the EMF exposure. And as a result, even though we're not body doctors, people feel better. Less EMF is better health and a longer life. So the reason I got involved is I saw my mom and dad pass on prematurely, painfully, and very expensively, and I couldn't figure it out. And then my utility tried to force a smart meter on my house, and I battled them, caught them in several documentable lies, and served them with a notice of right of self-defense, except to come onto my property only to read my meter. At that point, my life was totally polarized into this new direction. And, uh, oh, by the way, we won with the utility, the right to have the analog meter. But I said, you know, I want to become a professional and learn how to detect this and measure it and tell people exactly what to do to avoid this. So I became trained and certified as a building biologist. Now I have lots of fun helping people every day. I get half my business from doctors. Um, the, seeing the children respond is wonderful. So I'm happy to be here and be part of this video. All right. Thanks a lot, Eric. And uh, how about you, Virginia? Uh, yes, I became involved in all of this um, after the death of my son. My son was a, a graduate student at SDSU, was involved in a brain cancer cluster on campus. And since then, I've investigated five other cancer clusters and the reasons for them and what's going on with the schools, uh, what's not, not going on with the schools, and, and I'm finding big cover-ups within a lot of it. And I just did a lot of investigation on this cell tower on the campus, and I'll get into that later, but uh, this is how I got involved in it. All right, sounds good. Um, Eric, why don't we get into the science? I mean, what we're trying to do today is develop a little bit of a comparison and contrast with the two of you, because Eric, you've got the scientific background, um, but Virginia's got a lot of the political background. So let's explain to people uh, who might be skeptical about what, what 5G is doing or this electro smog in general. Actually, you could start with just describing the four different kinds of EMFs and the dangers of each. Okay, well, uh, thanks, Doug. You know, prior to 1985, when Edison started installing uh, grids of electricity in major metropolitan areas, we didn't have any man-made electric fields. We didn't have any man-made magnetic fields. We didn't have any radio frequency radiation, except maybe Marconi's experiment. And then we didn't have any dirty electricity. But wherever he's installed this electric grid, uh, peer-reviewed studies show that lifespan was reduced eight years. 
but not on the farms because they hadn't caught the electricity yet in the late 1880s. But then after World War II, we electrified the farms with the Rural Electrification Act, and their lifespan went down eight years. Now today, there's still one group of people that doesn't have that problem. That's the Amish. They don't use electricity. They have no ADD, no autism, and half the rate of cancer. So a magnetic field, that is uh, a circular field that you get around a wire that is carrying current. And you have no magnetic field unless electricity is going through a wire. An electric field radiates off the wire. And if you can think of a lightning storm, uh, when that bolt comes to earth, that's the discharge of an electric field up in the sky. Now, wireless radiation, that's turning electricity into an information carrying radio wave. Our cell phones, cell towers, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, tablets, all this convenience wireless equipment communicates by wireless radiation waves through the air. Now, what's also becoming really, really common is uh, dirty electricity. So normally, regular electricity has 60 cycles or wavelengths per second. That's what we buy for. That's what runs our motors in our, our world. But due to the dependence upon energy-efficient devices to reduce our energy consumption, Almost everything that's energy efficient produces dirty electricity with a switch mode power supply, with an AC-DC inverter for solar or battery operated cars, uh, variable speed motors on pool pumps, wells, solar inverters, AC-DC. Um, all this produces massive amounts of high frequency electric uh, current of 10 or 20 or 30,000 per cycles, cycle per second. And when you do that, the wire becomes an antenna. And now, since you're living in a house with thousands of feet of wiring, you're now in an antenna cage. Mm -hmm. So to sum it up, man was not exposed to any of this prior to 19, 1885, and we're paying a price now. And so what are the, some of the health effects that we can expect to be seeing from all of this? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the ones I always ask my clients before I go out to their house is, okay, I'm going to give you a short list of symptoms. And when I'm done, you tell me which ones you have. Headache, fatigue, insomnia, ringing in the ears, heart palpitations, brain fog, agitation, anxiety, irritability. And then I ask them, you know, does this reduce or go away when you leave the house? And when you return, does it return and increase. And if they say, oh yeah, it's definitely related to the house, then I say, okay, you've got a sick house. You can't stay well in a sick house, much less get well. People can start to feel these effects pretty quickly, huh? Well, you know, if you're hypersymptomatic, yes, you feel it instantly. Like if you've already got a sunburn, you step out in the sun, it hurts right now. Mm -hmm. If you haven't got a sunburn yet, you can be out in the sun maybe half an hour, an hour, two hours before you start to get a pain. Some people can feel it instantly. 
some people never feel a thing until they get a really bad report from their doctor about a tumor or something like that. So the symptomatic ones are the lucky ones. They had some warning. Right. Right. I mean, what are you finding? Like, uh, do you know um, why this? So eventually it causes cancer. Like how long does it take to cause a cancer typically? Uh, And why do these uh, um, radio frequencies, electromagnetic frequencies uh, result in cancerous tumors? Well, cancer is just one of the endpoints. You know, there's all kinds of other things. Raising of blood sugar, uh, you know, childhood leukemia, ADD, autism. There's all kinds of uh, health, degenerative, non-contagious degenerative health situations that occur. Um, as far as any one of them occurring, is there a timeline? It's extremely variable, dependent upon the person's genetics, their basic health, how much exposure they're getting, what's the duration of their exposure, what's the frequency of the exposure, like wavelengths. Um, Also, hey, if you have a sleep sanctuary, if you're sleeping in a place where there's no EMF influence, you can actually repair most or all of your daily insult. But if you don't have a good place to sleep, you're getting beat up and you're going downhill all the time. You need excellent sleep. Well, all right. We got a little bit of a baseline there. Virginia, I guess uh, you probably didn't know much about this until you discovered that your son was part of this cancer cluster. I, you you must have had to have uh, learned a lot, taken a crash course yourself into the science behind this. What are the kinds of things that you discovered as you looked into this? Well, my first clue was the fact that um, I, I was lucky enough to have a neurosurgeon that told our family that uh, my son's tumor was caused from a cell phone. Uh, it was it, it, ipsilaterals, I think is what it's called, where you're right-handed and the tumor's in the right frontal lobe. So if you're left-handed, it'd be in your left uh, lobe. But uh, that, that took me, that started my journey after my son passed away. I started looking up everything I could on cell phones. And at that time, this was in 2009, I had realized that all the cell phone manuals told you in really tiny font, not to put these devices near your heads or bodies, or you'll exceed FCC guidelines for exposure limits. So that was a huge wake-up call for me. And then I, it was actually August 7th of 2009, I got on the internet and I typed in cancer clusters and all these cancer clusters popped up from all over California, by the way. And one of them was on the SDSU campus. And I, I read it several times. I mean, I, I, I just couldn't believe what I was reading because they were actually referring to my son. There had been a big uproar about this for for probably a good year. Uh, I think my son's death was the red flag for everybody in the political science building called Nassateer Hall on campus. And so that's what took me down this journey. But um, so I looked up uh, cell phones and then I started looking up EHS symptoms. And my son had so many of those. He had fatigue headaches, uh, he was having excessive arm, underarm sweating, which is your endocrine system. Uh, you know, they, he had dental vision, he had all kinds of symptoms that are under that category. And I knew, I knew before he was diagnosed that there was something really wrong. I just could not figure it out. He, he was actually applying for law school in California at the time 
that he was diagnosed and he would call me at home and he would he, I, he would tell me he goes mom even if I got into law school I don't know if I can make it through and I said well why would you ever say something like that of course you of course you can you know that's a parent you know and he just he just told me he said mom he says I cannot remember anything so that was really really odd and it, you know we had flown out there in October of 2008 during those uh, big fires that started in, in Southern California and, you know, his coloring didn't look good. I mean, he just didn't look well. And, you know, there's a market, I, I've sent you guys pictures. There's a marked difference of how he looked when he started at SDSU and three years later when he graduated from SDSU. Mm-hmm. So the, these symptoms are, are very serious. And I think, um, I, I, me, I think, I think a lot of people have these symptoms. They just are not aware of them. Well, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me when I, when I'm hearing what you guys are saying, I mean, chronic fatigue, like (laughs) who doesn't, and uh, uh, you know, who's to say how much of this is um, responsible from this electromagnetic fog that we're all now getting engulfed in. Um, Eric, why don't you speak to just the amounts like, what are the safety levels, in your opinion? What are the safety levels according to the FCC? And then what's happening? Because it just seems like over time, like you're talking about in 1885, there was nothing. Then there were electric wires. Uh, you know, then they're adding maybe the, the radar systems for the military. Uh, suddenly now, you know, we're all starting to use cell phones. Now there's smart meters. And now there's, you know, the 5G rollout. It's just going to be right? One, one tower or one emitter every couple hundred feet. Um, so it just keeps building and building. Well, what are we talking about here? Like what, what are the, uh, these measurements starting to look like? Okay. Well, you know, it depends upon which EMF you're talking about, Mm -hmm. but in general, uh, captured regulatory agency, safety guidelines and I'm talking about agencies like the FCC which is captured because the current chairman used to be an attorney that worked for Verizon uh, they uh, the safety limits are there to protect the military corporations and their profits and to make sure that the tax revenue from those profits continues to go to the government. So the military needs high exposure uh, for all their different sensory and warfare things. Uh, industry right now is ex- that we're in a wireless renaissance. You know, everything is wireless. Uh, you name it, baby monitors, diapers that tell the phone for the mom that diaper needs changing. So there's so much revenue and there's so much profit, but the government standards generally choose a very obtuse form of measurement called thermal. They believe that the only thing that can happen to you is if your core body temperature increases by over one degree centigrade, which is 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, as time averaged over 30 minutes. So it could be a lot higher at one part, but if you average it over 30 minutes, it's only 1.8 degrees. So to find out more about this, I took the course credited by the IEEE, the uh, Institute for Electronics and Electrical Engineers, 
is called Radio Frequency Safety Officer Course. So I learned all of the official dogma and doctrine that the FCC espouses. And what I noticed is there was people there from Grumman Corporation, NOAA, National Atmospheric, well, huge contractors. Half the class didn't believe much of what they were being taught. It just simply said the human body is not like a piece of meat with a meat thermometer in it. It's a living thing. So when you, the government, when they just say, hey, the only thing that can happen is temperature, they're wrong. They're dead wrong. Neurological problems occur 100,000 times lower than FCC limits. So what they're, they're just focusing on the heat. Like if you put something close to a, 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 non-ionizing you know radiation source and then you measure the temperature over time you get some heat and it's like okay maybe that's dangerous but what you're saying is that this these radioactive frequencies affect the body at much lower levels and it's not about heat what is it about okay well you know it's quite well documented uh there's things there's like five dr martin paul p-a-l-l uh, he documents quite a bit of it. And one of the things he talks about is voltage-gated calcium channels. So when a your cell wall has little portholes, and call them channels, and they have little doors on them, and they're opened and closed by voltage. So when this EMF comes on the body, it interferes with their own electrical signaling system the voltage-gated calcium channel opens up and calcium ions flood into the cell, causing disruption of the cell. And when cells are disrupted, tissue gets disrupted. And when tissue gets disrupted, organs get disrupted. And when organs get disrupted, then the whole organism can start to fade. And to sum it up, if you think of this voltage-gated calcium channel is opening at the wrong time, Think about a submarine opening its hatch when it's down 300 feet. That water's going to come in and flood the sub, and bad things are going to happen real quick. So, Virginia, do you have anything to add about that? I mean, is this has this been your experience as well as you've looked into this? That I mean, it, you know, this is kind of fascinating because we know that the human body is a is um, also uses electromagnetic frequencies just to function. That's why we can do EKGs of of your heart. Um, and a lot of these different electrical measurements that the medical community uses. And I get, this is what's happening where all of this electromagnetic smog, as it is from all of these different sources, are now interfering with your body's ability to, to, to simply function and take care of itself like it normally does. Uh, well, this, this is what's going on. You know, I mean, you just don't have four, four people in the same room in the same building that come down with brain cancer in a year without a reason for it. And right. You know, this is why I, I started researching. Um, there's a cell tower that was right outside the, the <laughs> building. And uh, it was not on antenna search, by the way, but I, I found it's called Heparin High Performance Wireless Research and Educational Network. And it's it's hooked to NASA's Mobilis 4 Center, to all the government nitride centers, uh, to Scripps Oceanography, it's uh, connected to 70 rural fire stations and, and most important of all, it's mission control for San Diego Gas and Electric. And that's why I'm in the film, Take Back Your Power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So Eric, the more that this gets rolled out, I mean, I just, uh, can you, well, like, let's talk about normal background radiation, like what our bodies are used to and what our bodies function in a healthy environment. And then the kinds of background radiation that we're looking at right now. I mean, you know, just say in a normal office building setting or even a, a school setting where, you know, if a, a fair amount of this kind of uh, electrical uh, radiation might be used. I'm glad you asked, you know, uh, Professor Ole Johansson from the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, uh, he says that the back average ambient outdoor radiation level in a metropolitan area today is a million billion times higher than it was 150 years ago. Wow. So there's nothing normal about this. Okay, it's abnormal. And what I want to let you know is information carrying radio waves are found nowhere else in the universe except on Earth, period. And it's only happened in just the last little 130 years or so. So, you know, what, what's to say normal? Normal is almost zero. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go to the middle of Antarctica or the middle of Canada or the middle of ocean out there. And that's what's really normal, according to the history of the Earth. Are there ways that we could be, I mean, you know, obviously the technology is, is coming in. Now everybody's using it. People don't seem to want to stop. <laughs> Are there ways that we can be doing this uh, a lot more safely? Yeah, absolutely. When I go to my clients, they say, Eric, okay, so I'll admit that this radiation is harmful. You know, it's given my kids headaches, you know, all this jazz. But we need this information right. So what I do is I work very closely with a network specialist, and he does apartments, homes, offices, warehouses, and we deliver all of your internet, TV, music, video, through cables, Mm -hmm. the same way it was done 15 years ago. It takes a little longer, it uses far less energy, and there's no toxic radiation. So that's what we do. If the person wants to stay healthy and they want all their information, we run cables around the house, under the floor, through the attic. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we can't, we have to live without the technology. We just have to figure out how to do it safely. And this is what is kind of mind boggling to me like, why the emphasis on this wireless technology when, you know, we've had, we have decades of science now showing more and more and more and more now how dangerous it is. Um, Virginia, can you describe how, like, what's going on with this rollout? Why the emphasis on the wireless technology and why haven't we stopped? You know, why do we go in this direction 20 years ago instead of in this direction, in this more healthy direction? That's that's a big question. You know, I've been I've been basically cell tower paranoid since 2009, and it's just proliferated just off the charts as far as I'm concerned. So I've been concerned about it for years and and. Um, I think that we need to figure out as a society which way we want to go, because I think if we keep going down this road, there's going to be a lot more death and destruction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've just seen this big push, um, you know, right after uh, the, the COVID package was passed last March to try to deal with this lockdown and everything that I think the very next bill that was passed 
from uh, Congress was uh, this really quick 5G rollout to where in my small town in Northern California, I started seeing these these 5G towers popping up on, on poles. Uh, and it, it's just astonishing to me the speed with which and the focus, considering that, you know, theoretically there's this huge pandemic going on, we should be focused on dealing with that, but 5G is is right up there. They're doing it um, even as everyone is told to shelter in place. I mean, it's just fascinating to me. It seems like it's, you know, the most important thing the government's got going on right now. Um, so, you know, how long has this been kind of coming together? And I mean, are, we're, we're just, and why do you think we're seeing this real industry push for it right now, Virginia? I, you know, we're talking about this, um, you know, they've got the fast plan and the shot clocks. And I, I, me personally, I think it's an industry that's in panic. And I think they want to get this, this stuff in as, as quickly as possible. That that's what I'm, I'm thinking it is, but I could be wrong. But, you know, we've, we've got to figure it out. And, and the, the difference between COVID and, and the 5G is you're hearing about the COVID every single day, every minute on the news. You're not hearing anything about the 5G. Right. I mean, it does seem amazing, actually. There were people in my community that were concerned about this six months ago, five months ago. Uh, and then, of course, then the COVID happened. We're all told to shelter in place. We, we can't be outside you know, being politically active, protesting these things. Um, and while we're inside sheltering in place, boom, here comes the 5G. So it's actually um, been been quite, I, I don't know, you know, it seems quite underhanded because I know a lot of people around here were concerned and now, you know, they're concerned about COVID. It's just not being covered in the mainstream media. Um, Eric, why don't you speak to the fact that like these towers are going to be like, what's the difference between a 5G tower and a 4G tower where we've had cell phones, cell towers, I mean, that are really spread apart. And now we're starting to see, you know, these 5G, the ones that they put up in my local town are about, looks like they're about two, 300 feet apart. And what's going on there? And what can we expect to see more of in the future? Well, I'm glad you asked that, uh, Doug, do you mind if I put up a screen here for you to take a look at? Yeah, let's check it out. Okay, so um, the, uh, you know, 5G is nothing really totally new. It's just a new layer, like a layer of frosting on a cake. It's a new layer of frequencies on top of everything else we've already got. But the main threat of 5G to humanity is how close they're gonna put these things to people's homes. Can you see this picture of a house with a street light in front of it there on your screen? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what this is, is 60 feet from the bedroom window. Along with 5G comes something called small cells. Well, it may be smaller than a macro cell tower, but it's extremely close to a house particularly a second story bedroom. So, you know, with 1G, we had analog phones. With 2G, we had analog phones. 3G, we had, you know, the beginning of uh, some additional services like uh, video. And um, 4G, we had better reception. Now 5G, it's all about the internet of things. Mm -hmm. We can already get excellent video viewing on 4G. So why do we need 5G? 
It's about the Internet of Things and controlling things in real time, like dribbling a basketball accurately. You can't do that with the lag time of 3G or 4G, but you could have a uh, Android or a droid of some kind being controlled remotely by 5G that could dribble a basketball. That requires one millisecond or less of latency. Hmm. So 5G is about the Internet of Things. It's not about better phone calls. It's not about better videos. Um, but basically, it means a lot more of these things very close to your house. And uh, for example, when you look out the window, you may see something like that. And I don't know if that's showing up there. Is that showing up there, the picture of the window? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, this is a real family here in Sacramento. The kids can't sleep. So I did a three-day data log, and you can see the variation in the wireless radiation. It goes up and down, just like traffic patterns on the freeway. People, they can't sleep. And I think Verizon's actually going to change their slogan from, can you hear me now, to can you feel me now? Hmm. Uh, when they put these things close to homes, first thing it does, you get headaches, fatigue, insomnia, and then that's the really bad thing. Without good sleep, you go downhill. I don't care how physically fit you are. You go downhill when you have chronic sleep deprivation. Any well, other questions? Yeah, I mean, I just, I think I want to start getting into, you know, how are these companies doing it? I mean, uh, I guess um, maybe we should go back. Uh, Virginia, maybe you could talk about this. Um, to the Telecommunications Act of 1996 that is taking the liability away from these companies. It's just astounding to me that we can be seeing these kinds of health effects over time and nobody has any power to say, hey, you know, this is harmful. <laughs> you know, we need to stop doing this. We need to do something else. But that Telecommunications Act actually removes liability from these corporations, right? Right. And, and I've actually been doing a lot of research on it. Uh, in California, Jonathan Kramer, and here in Colorado, we've got a, a, an attorney by the name of uh, uh, Ken Fellman of Fellman and uh, Kiss, Kissinger and Fellman. And these, it, what I've researched is, uh, are these gentlemen have been in involved in the um, with the telecoms since the Clinton administration. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And Ken Fellman actually, uh, that was what his job was, was to get ubiquitous inter or ubiquitous uh, infrastructure put in. So, you know, th this just it, it kind of shows the, um, uh, you know, the corruption within. And actually, I found documents where some of these attorneys are actually making money off the permitting fees as well. So, you know, it's it just, it, it's, it's a captured agency by, by so many things. And this, this is what our problem truly is. And we've got to get this changed. I mean, what are these companies doing in terms of safety studies where they, they must be looking into this and, and then what, what I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm just surprised that there's not more information about these dangers coming out. And all I'm hearing from, from the corporations and the government is that everything's fine. Well, the, the who I've got, a, I've got an actual document um, titled the who knew from 2011 when they reclassified anything wireless to a class two B carcinogen and industry knew then. And here we are, what, nine years later, mm -hmm. and they're still trying to, 
push their agendas through and and it's very discouraging to to see so how much money are we talking about here you know in terms of, are you seeing I, I imagine these telecom companies are doing quite a bit of lobbying <laughs> yes uh, uh i had a conversation with the governor of a large western state and the governor stated to me the lobbying money from the telecoms to the congress is a whole new universe of money level wow it's not a little bit more it's like magnitudes more right magnitudes more I mean, this is a pattern. This is such a pattern that we've been hearing. I mean, we've been doing these roundtable discussions now. This is the 10th one, but just, you know, more and more watching how these corporations are coming in and really taking control over these government institutions and then rolling things out, regardless of what the health effects may be uh, for the rest of the population, and then being released from liability so that when these health effects do take hold and people actually start getting hurt, there's you know, the individuals are powerless to fight against it. I just, I mean, I'm starting to wonder what the heck we can do about it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, I advise my clients, uh, before you buy, rent, build, or lease, you have to determine if the site is safe. Forget about the inside of the house. Yeah. Is the land where the house is sitting safe? Is there a cell tower? Is there a power line? If there is, Measure it, and if it's not safe, just move on. Don't fall in love with the kitchen counter. Find a safe place. Right. I mean, what are you seeing happen to property values, you know, if you're sitting next to a cell tower? I'm glad you mentioned that because the state of California real estate disclosure form has a category on there called, uh, you know, um, I forget what it's called, uh, undesirable things you have to report, like a trash incinerator, a sewage septic tank treatment plant, a junkyard, a sports arena, a train track, an airport, something that would be a, quote, nuisance. And right in the middle of that list, up near the front, is cell tower. Mm -hmm. So they consider a cell tower to be a nuisance on the same league as an open sewage treatment plant, a rubbish incineration plant, a train track. It's a nuisance, and that means it reduces your property value. Yeah, I, I, mean, know per, I know a personal story here in, in Fort Collins where I live. There's a, there's a house that's east of us that was for sale for a million dollars, and right now they're, they are asking for bids of $600,000, mm -hmm. and they're not even getting any bites because they've um, erected this huge pine tree that's a cell tower right behind their house. Their house is actually in the city limits and the tower itself is on a field uh, on a farm within the county limits. And, and we found out in our area that um, per the county, you don't have to have any public input to install this in infrastructure. And what are insurance companies saying about how they're gonna insure against damages that are caused by, by this type of radiation? Well, that's really good that you brought that up, Doug. I'll try to find a, a thing here, but, uh, you know, uh, what do we have? Uh, Swiss Re and who's the other big Swiss insurance company? Lloyd's of uh, London. Lloyd, uh, Lloyd's yeah. of London. You know, they have a printed EMF exclusion policy 
they do not ensure anything related to electromagnetic frequencies, and there's four EMFs. So all of the cell phone and cell tower companies, they have to put in their annual report to their stockholders, one, we don't have any insurance to cover this. Two, if public opinion or scientific fact should prove that this is hazardous, three, we may experience force majeure. And that means an unresistible wipeout. Huh. Wow. So, I mean, that's just more example that the industry really knows what's going on and they're just trying to cover it up so people don't figure it out. <laughs> well, right now they're making money hand over fist and they figure they can use a good portion of that to fight off, you know, to make an exit stage left when the lawsuits come down, just like they did for asbestos, leaded paint, uh, you know, all these chemicals. Uh, right. Sooner or later, the facts become self-aware. But the corporation made a lot of money in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Virginia, let's talk about how this rollout is happening because, and I've heard you equate this with what's going on with Agenda 21 too. We've done a couple interviews on that recently. Just the way that they kind of approach cities directly and then the city governments will make partnerships with these corporations and the individuals and the communities really don't have much of a say about what's going on. The next thing they know, these, you know, these towers are going up in their neighborhood. Well, I've done a lot of research on that too. Um, And, you know, as far as agenda 21, I I got a Nexus magazine back in 2010 and it was a four page spread on the smart grid and what was coming down. And at the very end, it said, this is a part of a program with um, uh, UN agenda 21. So interesting enough, about two months after that, they quit selling the Nexus magazine in the United States. And they just recently started to, um, resell them now. So that, that's how I started researching UN Agenda 21. And this is, you know, the, our cities, our counties, they're all tied to this UN stuff and they're all members of ICLEI. And from, and I, I think this is where they're getting their directions on, on how to deal with the public. There, there's actually an EPA International Public Participation Guide. And if you look inside that guide, I mean, they've got segments on how to handle outraged public. And then within there, there's the IAP2, which is the International Association for Public Participation. And these facilitators come around in our cities and they they have training sessions for our city uh, departments and stuff on how to handle the public and how to handle some of these meetings that the that um, that are going to be with the public and basically from what I see it's it's the stakeholders that uh, they're the ones who are the decision makers in the process so the public's basically left out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I know I've been to some of these meetings and it's just so frustrating. You can have a hundred people at a meeting and they're saying what's going on and, and you know, well, it's like the deal's been sealed, so there's nothing we can do and everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. Well we had we had a utility here locally that um we found out it was a uh, a rural electric association and the members they had passed the smart grid six months before they even brought it to the public's attention at all. So this right. is what's going on within our cities and towns. Yeah. Hey, yeah. 
Sure. Uh, Eric, you asked ahead. a question about the insurance companies, and I have a document on that I'd like to show on the screen if that's okay. Sounds good. Yeah, let's check it out. Okay. So the question is, can you see this screen here mm -hmm. about Lloyd's of London? Yeah. Okay. They're quite well known as the world's largest and wisest and longest lasting insurance company. And the way they live that long is they don't cover risky insurance. So they have this, uh, since 2015, they've had the electromagnetic field exclusion. They don't cover anything related to EMF. And then you look at Swiss Re, another large reinsurance company. Uh, you know, they talk about the unforeseen consequences of electromagnetic fields. And then, you know, uh, in the Italian Supreme Court, they uh, determined that a man's brain cancer was caused by a cell phone. That's in the National Supreme Court. And then you look at all these other companies here, uh, and they all have an exclusion. It says, our costs could increase and our revenues could decrease due to perceived health risks from radio emissions, especially if these perceived risks are substantiated. So the question is, if these people are warning their stockholders that we could be wiped out by lawsuits, does that sound like a safe product to use? Yeah, right. It reminds me of the nuclear industry where they, they can't get insurance against nuclear meltdowns, right? <laughs> yeah. So All right. I well, think I'll close that and stop share. Excuse me. Sounds okay. good. Thanks. Um, you know, why don't we get in a little bit more into this Internet of Things concept? Because not only do we have the safety issue that is obviously just continuing to build and the 5G is adding, like you said, Eric, another layer on top of it already what's being described as an electromagnetic fog that is affecting our own body's electromagnetic systems. Um, but then on top of that, we have this building surveillance state that seems to be headed our way. Um, you know, Virginia, I was listening to uh, a couple of interviews that you've done describing companies that are that now going to be able to use 5G to have the ability to basically just collect data on everyone's movements all of the time. You know, what, what your body temperature is, how far away you are from the next person next to you. <laughs> and uh, it's just starting to feel uh, really outrageous the way that this whole big data universe is crashing in on our heads and maybe... Um, one of the reasons, if not the primary reason, why these large corporations are working with governments and the United Nations to implement something that could really uh, effectively be essentially an electromagnetic fence around all of us, uh, creating a kind of a control grid. Absolutely. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, you know, uh, David Petraeus, uh, who was the head of the CIA, uh, said uh, probably 10 years ago, we're going to have the ability to spy on you through your appliances. Okay, that was the smart appliance that relayed information to the smart meter, which then relayed information to the utilities and anybody else who purchased that data. And I have quotes from electric industry uh, executives that says the data that's collected by smart meters may well be more valuable than the electricity that this than the smart meter sells okay and but the internet of things is going to be 
so much bigger than just a refrigerator that tells the utility when you're opening the door. Mm -hmm. The Internet of Things is going to build a complete profile about your life, what you're using, what you're doing, when you're doing it, how much of it you're using, where are you, or are you within the house? Everything down to your next pair of socks is going to have an Internet protocol attached to it. So they need infinite number of ISP addresses, and they want real-time reporting, not mm -hmm. 20 milliseconds later like we have with 4G. They want one millisecond or less so they can control machine. It's really about machine M2M, machine-to-machine -machine communication. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing talk uh, as this whole COVID thing is running through from the World Economic Forum about something called the Fourth Industrial Revolution, where they seem to be wanting to move in a lot of robotic labor, replacing a lot of the human labor with robotic labor. And I guess it will take this 5G network to make that possible. Well, they're actually putting on robotic police and security droids on streets. Right. And so far, they're not armed. But, you know, what could possibly go wrong with a, an AI, uh, smart right. <laughs> installed, uh, machine gun armed uh, droid going up and down the street? Haven't we seen enough movies about this? I mean, this is what boggles my mind is that, you know, everybody will watch a movie about the, uh, you know, the futuristic uh, robot machines killing everybody. And then when they're actually rolling it out, everybody's like, oh, no, this is great. It's fine. Don't worry. Nothing to worry about here. Move along. You know. But we get back to the basic thing is, OK, fine, that'd be great if it has some morality. But the, the big thing is that instead of automobile exhaust, it's electromagnetic radiation. Right. You know, it took us a while to wake up to automobile exhaust and lead and, you know, all the carbon monoxide. It's going to be the same thing with wireless radiation. We're going to see how foolish it is. Um, and that's the unintended byproduct of all of this wireless connectivity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I'm concerned with is something coming down is that social credit, uh, social credit score um, that's coming out of China. So, you know, they, and then my fear is, you know, once they get, go to digital money, then, you're going to start having carbon taxes and then, you know, over time, you know, if you're an activist like we are or something, you know, you're not going to be able to get any kind of credits during the month and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it does, it just seems fascinating to me. I mean, they're going to be able to move it like you're talking about Eric into a real time situation where every choice that we make is going to be able to be monitored. If we make a choice that apparently what the AI doesn't like, you know, is it even going to be a human being making these decisions? If the AI doesn't like it, then our social credit score goes down. We can't travel. Maybe we don't have access to our bank accounts any longer. Um, it really seems like this technology uh, can be used. I mean, not only is it toxic in the environment, um, but, you know, psychologically in terms of a control and even physically in terms of a control mechanism, um, this seems to be part of this larger agenda that's rolling forward. Yeah, I want to stick with uh, just the biology part of it for now. Okay. And uh, can you see that screen there of that image? Mm-hmm. Okay. The neural behavioral symptoms near cell towers. Is that clear oh. to you? 
it hasn't yeah. come up for me yet. Did you did you share oh, the screen? Okay. Uh, there we are. go. Great. Thanks. Okay. So regardless of the politics or the morality controlling mm -hmm. this, if you want 5G and Internet of Things and machine-to-machine -machine communication, you're going to need towers every line of sight 300 feet at the most. So you'll never be able to be – you can run, but you can't hide. They're going to need enough antennas so you're always within sight. So we already know what happens to people when they're close to antennas. The closer you are to an antenna, the more types of problems you have, fatigue, headaches, brain fog, memory loss, irritability, skin problems, and the more intense they are. Now, further away is safer, close is very bad. And uh, actually, uh, you know, I have, it's the same thing all over the world. Cancer, all these different things occur in great abundance near the towers. Mm -hmm. If you want, I can go over a few of those for you. I think I shared them with you uh, yesterday, or we can hold them for later. Well, now let's look at those statistics because I'd I'd really like the audience to be able to check it out. Okay. So we're going to take a look at this one here. Okay. Do you see this consequences of microwave radiation? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to look at just basic radio frequency radiation. Ham radio operators, the longer they've been a ham radio operator, the more exposure they have, and the more powerful equipment they have. And you can see the mortality rate of the operator versus the population at large. The population at large is dark brown. The ham guys are tan, much, much, two or three times, maybe four times more cancer. Same thing happens in the Polish military, but it doesn't matter what race, what ethnicity, what part of the world, exposure to wireless radiation equals more cancer, more leukemia. Same thing with U.S. veterans of the Korean War. High exposure, much more cancer. Same thing in the U.S. Air Force. So it's like, do we see a pattern developing here? Yes, we do. Exposure equals health problems. Mm -hmm. Now, bless their heart, the Catholic Church has a large compound of radio antennas called the Vatican Radio Tower System. And they found out that close to the tower, within one kilometer, the incidence of childhood leukemia is up 600%. And it's not until you get out here to nine miles away that the ratio is one to one. So close to the Catholic Church radio antenna, there's a lot of childhood leukemia. Okay. Right. And these are all peer-reviewed studies. Same thing in Israel. Uh, even at exposures a thousand times less than the FCC guidelines. Look at the cancer rates. Huh. The dark area is the close area to the tower. The light area is uh, further away. So it's the same thing over and over. In Germany, the people that live within these circles have a much higher incidence of cancer than the people that live outside those circles. And the same thing with study after study, nation after nation, Close is bad and deadly, further away is safer. 
Now, the one that I really like, uh, so we see that close is bad, far away is better, but when we take a look at this one from Japan, Eric, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What is there like an average that uh, every cell tower? What what's the average distance that a cell tower um, emits? There's no average. You have to measure it. Okay. Okay. So this is a study that says there's a significant decrease in clinical symptoms after the mobile phone base station was removed. It's like when you quit hitting yourself in the head with a hammer, what happens next? <laughs> right. Start to recover, okay? So this is just one antenna on top of the roof of this Japanese apartment condo. Because what do we find? They removed the first antenna, and about 80% of the symptoms went away, just removing one antenna. Headache, fatigue, insomnia, the whole list here, the whole wow. list. So the, when they removed the second antenna, look at this. It's like a 90% reduction in symptoms just by removing the second antenna. So, you know, it, it, this is as simple as stop hitting yourself in the head with the hammer. And uh, the industry and the FCC don't want you to wake up to this. Because uh, this is these studies are real; they're worldwide, and you won't find them in the U.S. because U.S. scientists are—they know their reputation would be crushed and destroyed if they published something like this in the U.S. Well, this is something interesting about the United States. Actually, I'm finding the same thing. I mean, I don't—we don't need to get into a, an alternate topic, but in in my personal research, you know, with the like, let's say the hydroxychloroquine or intravenous vitamin C research that could be done into dealing with uh, the the COVID disease uh, in the United States, I mean, they come in and shut you down. It's like this is this research is happening in other places in the world, in Japan or in China or in South Korea, but in the United States, I mean, it's just amazing to me. I don't know. You know, we get a lot of comparisons between China and then the United States is supposed to be this, you know, this alternate <laughs> alternative to China. China's communist. The United States is a free society. But I'm just seeing where the control here uh, in terms of what exactly what science we're allowed to talk about is pretty powerful. I mean, the, the forces at work here, uh, if they don't want you to talk about something, man, you're just not talking about it, you know. Right. Well, most of the people that are speaking out about wireless radiation um, are older gentlemen scientists that are retired, and they don't need any new employment. Right. So they really can't be smeared. Oh, they're, they're being attacked, you know, but they, they, they can't be deprived of any new work because they're retired. Yeah, I've seen that a lot, too, actually, where older uh, scientists that are independently funded are you know and kind of past a retirement age where their career is not dependent on you know getting a corporate grant or that government grant or whatever they're able to speak their minds but you know if if you're if you're in the middle of your career and your career is dependent on these things then you just kind of know what you can talk about and what you can't um it's a really sad state of affairs i mean it's this type of censorship you know they're not burning the books in the streets um, but it's a, almost like a passive-aggressive type of censorship, and it's really pervasive. I mean, it gets the job done. People, 
uh, in the mainstream media, it's the same way. Journalists know what they're not allowed to talk about, right? <laughs> or else they're going to lose their job or they're not going to get that promotion or their, you know, their career is going to be dead in the water. Um, it's, it's all over the place. Virginia, have you run into this? What are your thoughts? Well, absolutely. In 2009, um, I investigated the cancer cluster at SD, um, SDSU with my son and then one at UCSD, and then there was one at Cal Elementary School in Carlsbad. And I, another gal and I worked on a list, and there were, there were 59 cell towers and 219 antennas around uh, this Cal Elementary School in Carlsbad, California. Wow. And then we, we found out that the same state of California epidemiologists were writing all the reports for all these schools. And once these epidemiology reports are released, then every investigation is stopped. It should have been nothing but uh, toxicology studies done. And so I started contacting a lot of the media outlets in San Diego. I'm still in contact with a few of them. And I had a couple of them just call me at home and just tell me this story will never get out. And, and I just said, why? And they said, because of money. Huh. It is just unbelievable. Didn't I hear you say that uh, the telecommunications industry is something like $7 trillion? I believe it's around $7 trillion, yes. Unbelievable. Per day or what? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and uh, yeah, so I've run into this, uh, you know, a lot. Um, the um, epidemiologist uh, for the state of California, his name was Dr. Mack, that wrote the report for STSU actually stated in this uh, that this amount of brain cancers in this small of an area would be considered a little abnormal, you know. And so anyway, I, I uh, emailed him and I said, what about this cell tower? And he, he actually called me at home and I thought that was really kind of odd. But uh, we started talking and I said, I'd just come back from SDSU. And I said, I talked with the, a bunch of the professors on camp. Or, well, we met off campus and we talked about this. And I said, they're afraid for their jobs and most importantly their lives and he said well they they should be concerned and then that's when I kind of I kind of I, I said that doesn't make any sense because of your report they won't do any more re they won't do any more investigations so if they should be concerned you know and 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 along the way I, I figured out that they needed to do toxicology studies right I mean just amazing you know even the people that know better uh, aren't willing to to stand up and 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 go forward with trying to slow this process down because they they know that that would be the end of of their career and they'd be you know they'd be grassroots activists <laughs> working a labor for of love. <laughs> See, Doug, you just hit it right on the head. They're making an economic decision. I can't talk about this because I might get a reduction in compensation. Yeah. I might not have my child able to go to college. I might not be able to go to the country club. I might have to sell my bass boat or whatever. Right. But you know, they, it, everybody knows this saying, the only thing that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Okay. And we're going to have to decide that the truth is more important than our monetary momentary compensation. Right. Because if you continue to be afraid, it's you're never, ever, ever going to win. You have to stand up against this, report the truth and honesty, and expect some tomatoes and hard rocks to be thrown at you. 
Yeah, and we've we've talked a little bit about this uh, prior to the show, Eric, but it's an invisible enemy, too. It's so easy to be in denial. So even the individual homeowners, you know, you've got the, the professionals that maybe they're making a, a six-figure salary, and they really don't want to rock the boat. But then the individual homeowners that are like, well, how bad could it really be? You know, and I'm enjoying my, my uh, streaming Netflix and my, you know, ability to play games or, or whatever it is, and I can ignore it, too, because they don't you know, they don't see it and the the negative effects aren't right away. But I mean, the figures that you're showing us clearly indicate, as you're saying, you might as well be beaten on your head with a hammer because the stuff is hurting us. Well, you know, as you can see in the image I just put up on the screen behind me, people get addicted to their, uh, you know, wireless devices. Right. And um, unfortunately, the, the wireless device becomes your friend. Um, and there's more hope for a fool than that. You know, I mean, you can't help some people drink themselves to oblivion, you know, they yeah. do drugs until they're dead. Uh, it's a free world. You know, you can live how you want. But the sad thing is this radiation hurts everybody around them, mm-hmm. their children, their baby, their unborn child. So well, what is well, it, what is it doing to the, to the kids and, and to the, to the children? Um, you know, let's get into some actual, I, I kind of want to hear some examples, um, maybe from the two of you, when you actually go to places, uh, like if you go to a school, and then you and you're taking the meter, like what kind of meter are you walking around with? And how are you, you know, and what are the readings that you're looking for? And when do you consider a, a dangerous uh, meter reading? Um, and, and so what are you finding if you go to a school or do you, you know, do you have some examples or if you go to somebody's house or maybe a, a place of business or a place where a lot of people may be gathering all the time and you're, you know, you're going around with your meter and you're finding out they're just getting hammered. I mean, um, can you, can you kind of go into that and give some, some real life examples? Okay. Well, I have a variety of meters, certified calibrated meters. I get new ones every two years, just that's less expensive than sending them off to Germany for two weeks or three weeks to get recalibrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Building Biology uh, Institute has risk assessments, no slight, severe, or extreme. And we want to be in the slight concern or lower. Uh, it's almost impossible to find a place that's in the slight concern or lower for radio frequency radiation. And which is like 10 microwatts per meter squared or less for sleeping areas. Now, the really sad thing is schools. They've always got a Wi-Fi right on the ceiling of the classroom. And Dr. Cindy Russell, the founder of Physicians for Safe Technology, has a slide on one of her PowerPoints about a peer-reviewed study with two schools. One school had a very low wireless radiation power density. The other school had a very high radiation power density. And some schools are very proud of all their Wi-Fi and related radiation. Mm -hmm. But when they checked the scholastic aptitude scores between the two schools, the school with less radiation had a higher scholastic score. And when they checked specifically for spatial reasoning, you know, like which way is this snowflake turning? The school with less radiation scored far higher for spatial reasoning and scholastic aptitude. Interesting. So all this hype and lie 
that Wi-Fi is going to help educate our children for the next century is just a it's a bald-faced marketing lie. Mm-hmm. People learn better without radiation. Right. Yeah, Virginia, do you have any thoughts on that? What kind of situations have you seen around the country uh, where radiation uh, has just been <laughs> amplified? Well, yeah. I, I, I've been on the SDSU campus several times, and uh, the last time I was there, I, I met somebody from California that uh, came on campus with a couple of really nice meters, and we walked to the top of the hill where this cell tower was. And this Hepburn cell tower, by the way, if, if people don't know, I found several documents where the emissions were illegal. And at the, in 2002, this, this one cell tower could transmit 72 miles all the way to San Clemente Island. Hmm. And uh, so it, it was very dangerous, but we walked to the top of this hill and I was kind of shocked because I saw a bunch of kids sitting underneath this cell tower in a little um, outdoor courtyard. And I turned around and, the, and this person that met me on campus was running down the hill and they said, I'm out of here because it was the, the meters couldn't handle the emissions from it. And, you know, I, I'd go on campus every day, uh, Monday through Friday for three weeks I was there and I took my pile of signs and my tape and I taped these up and and you know the kids had walked from class to class and and I was in this this really open area where they'd all kind of congregate and I, what I noticed was that um, you know th- these kids at that point uh, were just constantly on their cell phones with their friends or texting or whatever so I, I actually got in my car one night and just put my head on the steering wheel and just started crying because yeah. you know I, I I just thought oh my goodness this is way bigger than me and I you know I without I don't have a cell phone myself so I really noticed the addiction and it's really really sad. Yeah, I mean, I've heard reports about how, you know, when they designed the Facebook app, they were going for dopamine hits. I mean, it was designed to be an addictive, you know, interface so that they could get people to be on that thing as often as they possibly could. It's uh, it's pretty outrageous, actually. I, these corporations just, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I could figure out the bigger picture of what's going on in, term, in terms of the rollout because the corporations, like, they, they, they have no compassion. They don't seem to care about, um, you know, individual health or prosperity. Uh, they're going straight for profits, but, I mean, you can be profitable and healthy. <laughs> you know, you don't have to act this way. And then the governments are just rolling over for it. I mean, as we've kind of discussed, I mean, this 5G rollout is considered um, – you know, something of a, of a, a national pride matter. You know, we, we need to beat the Chinese and roll out 5G as fast as possible. And, the, and these public-private partnerships are just working together. These mm-hmm. telecom corporations are getting massive subsidies uh, and the governments are bending over backwards to, um, you know, regulate as little as possible, even helping to cover up a lot of these negative health effects so that we can get this going, uh, you know, before before the Chinese can get it going or before the next guy and it's turning into this competition uh and what is it that a competition to see you know how how many of our people we can fry <laughs> you know before before it's all over i guess i mean it's starting to be mind-boggling to me it makes you wonder sometimes um you know the other thing too i i don't know if um uh, eric's addressed this but i you know the blue hue lights on the laptops and all the screens and stuff also are very harmful to the eyes. And I, I, I would assume, and I, and I think I've read where kids are very susceptible to that. 
and also, you know, depression's a biggie. We're out of here in Colorado and Larimer County. Um, we've got one of the highest suicide rates that, that there are in the, in the state. And, you know, these schools have, you know, industrial Wi-Fi. They've got cell towers on top of them constantly. I met with uh, Poudre R1 School District back in 2010, and I got an appointment with a risk management from the school district. And I walked into a room and there were 10 men around this table and I thought, uh-oh, you know, and uh, basically they were telling me that the school district at that time was making about $9,000 a month off of cell tower leases on the school properties. Uh-huh. So everybody's got a little finger in the pie and they, and they want to right. ignore these negative health effects. Uh, didn't you at one point meet with the, was it the attorney general of Colorado? You're meeting with people. Sometimes they don't even know that there's a problem. They say, oh, we'll look into this problem. And then, you know, a few weeks later, they won't answer your phone calls again. I mean, I've heard those stories. I've met with several, several legislators, but yeah, I met with a uh, Attorney General Cynthia Kaufman, she's now termed out, and uh, mm-hmm. met with Daphne Tackover and uh, Dr. David Carpenter in Denver, and and Daphne handed her this beautiful 400-page spread book, and we tried to get her on board at that time, and she said, "Well, let me let me look, let me decide," and she she went the other route, so she went the harmful way. Right. I mean, you're getting the impression that they're having some backdoor meetings with some of these lobbyists, maybe. And then the next thing you know, uh, you, you know, they're not talking about it in public anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, what happens. You complain, they check with their experts. Yeah. And they say that, oh, there's nothing to worry about. And therefore, they give you the mushroom treatment and they don't respond to you any longer. Yeah, pretty amazing. Have you... Well, like you were telling a story the other day about going to a school to check it out, Eric, and then actually getting harassed by people just when you're trying to do your scientific measurements and figure things out. I mean, what? how often do you have to deal with that kind of thing? You're getting pushback even from the individuals who just don't don't seem to know the science behind this. Um, well, see, the, the parents at Weston School in Ripon, mm-hmm. California, were very, very upset that there was so much cancer amongst the students and the teachers at Weston School. Now, there was a cell tower right on school property. You can walk right up to the base of it. Right. So the parents hired me to take measurements. And the day when I was there to take my measurements, the radio frequency engineer that did the report for the school was hounding me five feet away, 10 feet away, 15 feet away. And I told him repeatedly, back off, this is my day. You're not, I don't, I'm not working for you. I don't have to talk to you. This guy was there just to trip me up and bother my clients the whole day. And, you know, it, yeah. my question is, what was he so worried about? What did he think I was going to find? He already did three reports and got paid four or $5,000 for each one. Why does he care about me? What's he worried about? But I thought it was just really, really funny that the professional, quote, registered engineer for this company, I'm not going to major their name, but they're in Sonoma, California, and they do wireless radiation compliance reports all over the state of California. That guy's got to hound me and bother me. Why? I wouldn't dream of doing that to him. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it just amazes me that the people, I guess people who are invested in the industry, they just don't want to talk about it. They get into denial about it. And again, like we were discussing before, the financial incentives are just too great. I mean, I think there's another, there's an Upton Sinclair quote I keep running into these days. I should use it, which is, you know, trying to convince somebody uh, of the truth when it comes to um, what they do to make a living. You know, if you're telling them something, that says, hey, what you're doing to make a living is really hurting people. They're just, they don't want to hear it at all. And, and so that's just another layer on top of the, the cognitive dissonance cake that makes it so difficult to describe to people. Virginia, well, what about, well, go ahead, Eric. You're right. There's so much money and people are so entrenched and they say, look, this is the way I've got my sales set and I'm not going to change, uh, uh, you know, until something drastic happens. And there'll be a body count, just like leaded gasoline, DDT, thalidomide, uh, Roundup. You know, it'll become obvious, but there's going to be a body count and a lot of people hurt, killed, injured. Yeah, the problem is, and and corporations get away with it because of this so often is that this is a slow kill, you know, right? This is a poisoning that affects us over time. And so it's difficult. It's not like, you know, Hey, I shot you with a gun and now you're dead. It's like, Oh, well, how do you know that that diabetes or that cancer cluster was caused by this when it could have been caused by anything else in the environment? You know, (laughs) know, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's thousands and thousands of independently funded peer reviewed studies that document exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. However, the industry says we have no information before us that indicates that there is any consensus, or which means 51% or more. Right. You know, I mean, they look at it as a scale. Which side of the teeter-totter is leaning more heavily? That means up to 49% of the people are perishing, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Building biologists are interested in avoiding harm at the lowest detectable level. We're not part of a military program. We're not interested in balancing safety against corporate profits. We want to have a safe life, not be a casualty. Virginia, I want to go back and touch on this kind of, this building surveillance state just just for one more moment. because I, I was just blown away, actually, when I was doing research preparing for this. You mentioned in another interview a, a company called Volan um, that are just ready and set up. Let me see what I wrote down here. They actually call it micro-geofencing. <laughs> right. And it's, so when you start to see what this 5G network, I mean, you know, and we've, I think we've clearly established what this electromagnetic fog is doing to our bodies but they're pushing this so heavily and they're ignoring all of the evidence of the harm that it's causing because this is the world that they're trying to create. And it really is one of essentially complete control. Can you describe what this company is, is trying to do or give examples of other companies that are doing the same thing? Well, a lot of these companies are, are getting these medallions when you go on to on cruise ships. I'm, I'm, they're probably going to be going everywhere at this point, but yeah. You know, it's it's so you can walk around. You don't even have to have a wallet with you or a purse with you. You can just, you know, you they know exactly before you go in somewhere what your preferences are for drinks and all kinds of, of nonsense. And and you're going to have your own personal satellite that kind of follows follows you around. I mean, this is how crazy this is getting. 
and you know it, it's for convenience and everybody's up for convenience but you know there, there's going to be a backlash to that you know there's going to be health concerns and and all kinds of things and then just the quantity of data collection too like they're going to know certainly. everything about us all the time yeah, absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. And I was going to say, too, uh, back to when we were talking about schools there, um, Mm -hmm. uh, in fall of 2018, there was a cancer cluster at Rocky Mountain High School here in town. And I found this really interesting because I actually graduated from Rocky Mountain High School in 1976. And, you know, I graduated with 900 kids. And, you know, the term cancer, you never even heard that term. Right. You know, we went, none of the teachers, none of the kids, I mean, you just never heard that term. And now all of a sudden we've got this cancer cluster at this school. And, and of course there's a cell tower behind it. And, you know, it's got the industrial Wi-Fi. six kids have perished in, in the last two years. Hmm. So this is going to lead to the body count as well too. Yeah, that's fascinating. Eric, do you have any uh, idea about like the loss of life, the the loss of life maybe in in terms of years of life or quality of life that can occur as a result of uh, this kind of electromagnetic radiation? Yeah, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Sam Milham, epidemiologist and master of public health, he did a study and found out that when Edison just installed regular 60 cycle electricity, you know, to Mm -hmm. have street lamps and stuff, Lifespan went down eight years wherever right. electricity was installed. And that's just plain old regular electricity, not dirty electricity, not wireless radiation. The question is, how much longer could we live without this? And right. why does the United States have the highest cost of health care per person of any country in the world? And yet our lifespan is lower in many, many, many countries. And in mm-hmm. fact, I think our lifespan is right next to the people who live in Cuba, where you get shot for saying the wrong thing. So, you know, our lifespan is not the longest. Our health care costs are the most expensive. But, you know, I guess if people get sick, that's part of the economy too, you know, the hospital system. That's uh, stocks and bonds or, you know, hospitals are. It's a business. Yeah. I mean, I heard just the other day a, a quote from Goldman Sachs saying that they didn't they didn't they weren't going to invest in a cure for cancer because it's the it's not the cure that's profitable, it's treating the disease. <laughs> and right. that's the way these guys think. I mean, even in terms of the government officials looking to add some points onto GDP, the more people that have cancer, the more money everybody's making. It looks great for them. They're not interested in figuring out how to reduce the number of people that have cancer. I mean, well, now that's, a, you know, you re, we, we're, we're at a dilemma here. So what really you have to do is take responsibility for yourself. And that means you need to have an appropriate kind of personal meter. I have several of them listed in the product section of my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be able to find out for yourself if where you're living, staying, visiting is safe. And you need to look out for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. Yeah, I mean, that's what it really boils down to for me. The more that I learn, the more important it is that each one of us take full responsibility for our health. You know, it's funny. I was actually even having a conversation with my daughter just the other day because the way that I was raised, you know, it was like you just go to the doctor 
and then you do what the doctor tells you. And I was not really taught. I mean, as I've gotten older, I've had to think, God, you know, taking personal responsibility for my health is actually a big responsibility. And I wasn't really taught how to do that. The things that I have to do to care about my own health, you know, it was just go to work, pay your taxes, go to the doctor, do what he tells me, you know. Um, and as I've gotten older and I'm trying to teach my kids, it's like, no, it's important to, to understand that if you want to be healthy, you know, the doctor's not just going to tell you, he's not going to give you, like, you have to figure out <laughs> what your lifestyle is going to be, what's important to you, and then use some common sense to take personal responsibility. But it's a big shift. I mean, I think a lot of us uh, have been, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll just go ahead and call it a brainwashing to trust the system. But what you're saying is exactly right. We can't trust this system. We have to take personal responsibility and make these choices, these lifestyle choices for ourselves. And that means going against the grain of the corporate system because they're pushing, you know, they're going to push the 5G network or they're going to push the big pharmaceuticals on you uh, or whatever it is, you know, because that's those are where they're making the big money. Um, they don't want you to take personal responsibility, you know, Eric? Well, no, I have a a case history of exactly what you're saying. I get about half my clients from functional medicine MDs who are uh -huh. pediatricians. Wow. And these, they have children with ADD, autism, all these childhood developmental diseases like PANDAS, et cetera. And when we detect, measure, and reduce the exposure, these kids recover. The parents say this is a different child. The teachers say this is a different child. He's reading two grade levels above. You know, he's no longer right. staring at the wall, shaking his head. He's looking parents in the eye. So these two doctors got terminated from their hospital system, and now they're on their own. Why? Their clients don't need additional MRIs, CAT scans, and treatments, surgeries. They come, they get advice, they get well. And that was not profitable for the hospital system. So now they're on their own. And I think they're going to do much better now that they're out from underneath the heavy hand right. of the hospital industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same way in the medical field as it is um, in, in any other. Um, and you can separate. I mean, just like you have, you're not working for the telecoms. You're doing building biology. Doctors can go into functional medicine. They don't have to work for big pharma or one of the big hospital chains. And this really is what has to happen. I mean, as you say, good, good people need to stand against what's going on and make a choice not to participate. And, and we can, you know, I think maybe even with podcasts like this one, educating people, it's, I've almost been thinking that we need to create a, a, a second economy. You know, we have this corporate structure that's over here. And it's killing people, you know, <laughs> and if we need to have, you know, uh, almost an underground economy or a second tier or a separate economy of people that are, you know, eating organic food, buying their food from the farmers markets or, you know, smaller sustainable farms, they're going to functional medicine doctors who maybe are using, you know, supplements or herbal medicines. Um, I don't know, you know, I, it is possible. Uh, to make the change, but we have to make these choices for ourselves, and then and then we all need to participate and you know help each other as we break away from the system, so that we can all continue to make a living. But Virginia, I think you had something to add to that. Well, I was just going to say I've tried several times. I tried to get hold of a neurosurgeons group here in town, and 
and the gal on the phone, she says the doctors will not talk, talk about causation. And then I've tried to go to other doctor's offices and, and they don't want to hear about it. So, you know, this becomes, and I've tried to get hold of these organiz, these medical organizations and they just, they don't respond back. And, and, right. and the other thing about the pharmaceuticals too, I mean, I think a lot of parents are getting their kids you know, their kids are coming home, they're depressed, they're, they're fatigued, everything. So that they go to the doctor and the doctor will give them, uh, you know, uh, some kind of antidepressants and they get them hooked on those or, you know, now it's Botox for headaches and this kind of thing without really addressing the underlying problem, which is probably overexposures to this type of uh, radiation. Right, right. So Virginia, can you get into a second? I mean, I remember there being a pushback against uh, the smart meter thing, and it seems like really difficult um, to overcome that. Actually, I've got a smart meter on my house right now. I didn't really want it, and I was able to avoid it for a bit, but they just keep on, keep on coming. Um, but politically, what are you seeing are things that people can do? What kind of organizations are there out there um, that maybe people can look into and join in order to uh, try to make a difference here. Well, I, I don't know about any organizations, really. I mean, there's a lot of websites and you, that, that people can look up. And then if mm -hmm. they want to join any of those, uh, that's possible. You know, um, uh, the Children's Health Defense Council is suing the FCC right now. And, and that's a good one to join if people want to. I think it's $10 to join. You know, and, and uh, you know, Fort Collins, where I live, we're, we're a top 10 smart grid city and I actually had one forced upon my home. I had police officers at my front door and oh, wow. they filed a false police report on my husband to, to basically shut me up. And, and our local newspaper ran a, an article um, after I had the film Take Back Your Power shown. Uh, it, it stated there was somebody from the utilities department said if these trouble if these trouble may I can't remember how they stated it. If, if these trouble utility customers keep causing a problem, they will no longer be allowed in city facilities. So yeah, right. it, it's been a real mess here. I have a, something to add about smart meters. Okay. Uh, when my utility sent out this flyer and it says uh, the smart meter only sends radio signals once every four hours, I knew that was wrong. And now of course I have the skill and the knowledge and, and the equipment to show this little 24-hour data log here, it's not six transmissions per day. It's one transmission every six seconds. So right. we stopped the – see, we had a public utility. It's Sacramento Municipal Utility District, and we can speak twice a month because we, the people, own the public utility, and they all work for us. Mm -hmm. And when we pointed that they were lying, Either that or they're incompetent because there's a huge difference between one every six seconds and six times per day. They need to dismiss the general manager, dismiss the chief legal officer. Right. Or the board of directors is compliant and no complicit. So we just caught them in a bald-faced lie and said, that's not allowed. Stay off my property. We have the right of self-defense if you try to harm us any further. Yeah. I mean, that's great. You know, you What's amazing to me, and this just brings up this thing I constantly think about it, is that so often you bust these guys, and what ends up happening are the people that are helping to cover it up are the ones that get a promotion, <laughs> you know, or the people that, as you would point out, you must be incompetent 
because what you're telling me is obviously false. And so if you can't figure it out, then what, and then they get a promotion, you know, for, for pushing a bald faced lie. And it happens over and over again, where you're realizing that the higher ups, I mean, who knows the people on the board of directors, maybe the people on the board of directors of the banks that are financing the whole system. I mean, where, how far up the pyramid you need to go, but somebody, uh, somebody up there is happy enough to continue to promote these people um, that are pushing this agenda that is, uh, you know, not, just not factually accurate and certainly, you know, proven to be dangerous to the vast majority of, of humanity. So it's this outrageous level of corruption, I think, is what we people like us, you know, are uncovering on a daily basis. Um, plus, those plus, people, go ahead. They're getting their reward in full, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Money is their god, and they're getting more of it. So they feel this is great. Right. I lie here, I get fired, I get hired over there. That happens all the time. I see the same thing that you just talked about. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Eric, and, and besides the fact that they transmit every six seconds, how far can these each transmit? I've heard I've heard that each smart meter can transmit up to 1.8 miles. Well, see, it's not necessarily the range. But if you look at the look at the image right behind me, each one of those needle-like spikes is a smart meter transmission, and it's five milliseconds to twenty milliseconds long. It's kind of like a bullwhip. It's not a huge impact, but it's the speed at which that impact occurs. And you know, a bullwhip with the last inch of the bullwhip can split your ear open if the skillful person whips it against your ear. Mm -hmm. The smart meter transmission goes from zero to full power and back to zero again in five milliseconds. So that puts a huge shaking on the cell walls of your body, like a leaf flapping, and it falls off the tree. So it puts a huge change in polarity on the cell wall from hugely positive to hugely negative in a very short period of time. Right. It's not like going up and down on the ocean on a day when there's rolling waves. It's like, you know, it's a very sudden and abrupt change. And that's why that smart meter hurts people so much. Yeah. Fascinating. And, and besides, besides that, I mean, I mean, if you're talking about money, just the, in, the incredible amount of debt that they've put all of us in with these meters. I know that Fort Collins, they, in 2009, they, they decided to, uh, to install these meters and they, they predicted that the whole smart grid was going to cost $350 million. We had probably approximately 70,000 people in Fort Collins in 2009, $350 million. They charge us each $322 for these meters they don't last very long and you know they're basically junk and they they use energy to run them too so i mean we're just being taken to the cleaners with the cost of these darn things too well yeah and then virginia let me add something to substantiate what you just said uh the smud board the sacramento municipal utility district here had what they call the smart meter business case like, hey, here's the rationale why we're going to spend all these millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay, they say it's going to pencil out that these things break even at seven years. And then after that, it's, it's gravy. Okay, so a couple of years later, at a science and technology House of U.S. House of Representatives hearing in Washington, D.C., a scientist 
for the industry says smart meters are computers that are mounted on the outside wall of the house and they last five to seven years. So what you have here is it's called a boondoggle. Right. They don't pay for themselves <laughs> and they need to be continually maintained. Huh. Right. Maintenance cycle of replacement meters. We, we've already replaced. We had mass deployments in 2013. And a, a, a few of us that made it till 2014. But uh, they've already replaced thousands, tens of thousands of these things in town. And, you know, um, and the public is just being taken to the cleaners with these darn things. And they're just dangerous. Yeah. And the public doesn't know about it. So I've seen over and over again, it seems to be happening even more. I mean, we're hearing about companies that are basically making money by going public and they've never had a profitable year. And it's the same, these public private partnerships that are occurring, the companies don't ever have to make a profit because they can, they're just getting government grants and government subsidy left and right. So it's a, it's even a totally inefficient system. It's not even actually profitable in reality. It's just maintained and managed by, you know, this larger uh, system of, I would call it corruption and and government largesse, you know. Those Um, public-private partnerships also, if you read into those a little bit, they actually spread the risks. So, mm, you know, this is is where I'm at with this, too. I, I think if there's something comes about that they are harmful, they'll just spread the risk amongst amongst stakeholders. Sure. Sure. Or the government can always reduce liability, which we've seen that it does over and over again. So outrageous. Well, I think we just have a few minutes left, YouTube, um, but I want to wrap up the show with having a a conversation about safety. Uh, Maybe we could start with you, Eric, since you are the the professional on this. But um, what do you recommend for people in terms of trying to protect themselves from, from this electromagnetic smog that's getting thicker and thicker all the time? Okay, first and foremost, building biologists realize you have to have a sleep sanctuary. That means nothing electrical within 10 feet. No mm-hmm. lights in your room, no plugs in your room, no circuits going to other rooms. And you need to, you need to have a 3D electric field meter to find this out because just turning off your light bulb isn't going to cut it. There's wires that go within 10 feet of your bed. So you need to have a zero EMF sleep sanctuary just like you were sleeping out in the middle of the forest and you can do that in your home in many cases Mm -hmm. then you need to have some basic meters you know adequate indicators maybe 150 or 250 bucks hey that's peanuts compared to a thousand dollar smartphone so you need to spend a little bit of money to protect yourself and if you're not willing to do that you know i'm not interested in bargaining with you right you want to protect yourself or you don't and you need a meter to find out if where you're living is safe or not and you need to be prepared to move if you're in a bad spot you've got to move or you're you're not going to stay well very long yeah and what kind of meters do you recommend for people then what what exactly would they be measuring just the emf fields is that in microhertz well I like the Safe and Sound Pro 2, and I don't have one right here in front of me, but the Safe and Sound Pro 2 is handheld, very accurate. It has sound identification. If you go to my website, you can see them there. Um, 
it's $385. The little brother to that is the Safe and Sound Classic. It's about the size of a bar of soap that you get in a hotel. It fits right in your pocket. It has four lights, green, yellow, orange, and red, plus sound. Uh So that's your RF warning system. Then, you know, I would recommend a Stetzer meter for dirty electricity. That's about $100. And then I would recommend uh, a magnetic field meter. The Alpha Labs UH2 is excellent for about $310. And the Trifield TF2 for about $170 is adequate. So you need something to measure wireless radiation, dirty electricity, magnetic fields. And if you don't want to learn how to do all that, just hire a experienced building biologist who's got all those meters and a lot more and knows how to use them. And that'll be your quickest and most accurate way of getting it done. But you can't stay well, much less get well in a sick house. Right. Right. For sure. And Virginia, how about you? I understand, you know, you're not using cell phones these days. No. Well, actually, when uh, uh, the neurosurgeon told us that it was from his cell phone, I actually took my phone out in the parking lot and threw it down on the ground and stomped on it. And I haven't had one since. Yeah. And so with that that said, um, you know, and then learning about all this stuff, I everything I have in my house is hardwired. I haven't. I have no Wi-Fi. I don't have anything. And my biggest suggestion for everybody is to hire a building biologist like Eric or somebody in your area, because I've had somebody at my house twice and and they've cleaned up the dirty electricity and, you know, all the frequencies that are around. And and also you have to be very, very careful with shielding and and without a building biologist, um, you can also make things much, much worse if you don't. So. You know, I I pretty much at, at this point in time, I, I think a building biologist is a must for everybody. Yeah, well, thanks, Virginia. I appreciate that. But I want to echo something you just said. I've met lots of people that have spent a thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand bucks on good material, and they installed it wrong, and they made things worse for themselves. Yeah. A shielding is one of the most dangerous things to install because if you do it wrong, it's like shining a flashlight into the bathroom mirror. It's going to bounce right back at you. And you can be seduced by internet sales outlets selling all these goodies and buy this and buy that and buy this and buy that until you're broke. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the the shields for the cell phones that people sell. What, What good are those? They're really good for the people that are selling them. Right. <laughs> and what about these? Oh, go I ahead. Doctor, I just asked Dr. Sam Milham that once. I said, what about the little things you can buy that you can put on the back of your cell phone? And he said, you'd have to have one that was bigger than the cell phone for it to work. So, mm. you know, I just, I just, I want to tell people to be very careful. And what about like the clothing or any of this other kind of, again, shielding that people are, are, are trying to sell that they claim are protective? Well, look, it, it has to be verified, you know? I mean, you know, it, like a bed canopy, a proper kind of bed canopy, that reduces RF radiation. It's mm-hmm. a Faraday cage, okay? Mm-hmm. 
some dead canopies can reduce electric fields, okay? And that can be verified. Some clothing can reduce incoming RF radiation, and that can be verified. But the idea of wearing some medallion or a little decal on your phone is going to protect you, that's fantasy land. Yeah. There's no, it does not reduce the radiation. It may make you feel better in your mind and your heart, but it's not going to protect your body. Right. It sounds like a great place to start uh, from what I'm hearing would be to get these meters and at least go around your house and kind of check it out for yourself. Um, well, you know. and distance is your friend. I mean, just like yep. Eric's been saying, distance is your friend. And, you know, I, I try to avoid um, big venues with lots of people, you know, using. I, I went to a basketball game in Denver one night and they had uh, flashing billboards going around the, the arena and it was all Verizon and T-Mobile. And there were kids sitting all around us. And my, my husband nudged me and all the kids were on their cell phones. And they were texting and waving to people across the arena instead of watching the game. And that, that was a big wake-up call for me, too. So, you know, I, 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 you know, distance is your friend. And if you don't have to go to some of these big places where there's a lot of public gathering, I mean, just don't do it. Sounds good. Well, it looks, looks like we're probably getting towards the end of the program here. Um, I just want to give you guys maybe one more opportunity to make any concluding comments and then uh, let uh, the audience know where they can go. If you've got a website or some contact information you'd like for people to know uh, to be able to get more information. Eric, you want to go first? Sure. Um, on my website, you can get a lot more information. <clears throat> my website is Windheim EMF Solutions and Windheim is spelled W-I-N-D-H-E-I-M. Okay, I have a contact form there. You can use that to contact me. I don't answer the phone because I have so many people calling up for free information. If they're willing to fill out the contact form, I might be able to call them, but I don't answer the phone because people want free info all the time. Um, and I'm busy with paid clients. So, but you will find helpful information on my website. And then if you want to go to my YouTube channel, you'll see about 100 videos of things I discovered and fixed on the job. And uh, Doug, I'm just real thankful that I had an opportunity to share some of this with you and your viewers and keep up the great work here of getting this information out to people. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, what's the name of the YouTube channel? Windheim EMF Solutions. Great. All right, yeah. I hope people check it out. And I, I hope, uh, I, you know, I'm certainly thinking about getting a couple of these meters because I'm curious about what my house looks like. <laughs> uh, Virginia. I also wanted to tell you, thank you so much for having us on because th these, these um, types of uh, uh, programs is what helps get the message out mm -hmm. and everybody needs to know. And, and I, I just ask the parents, you know, not only at home, but, Make sure you, you go through your college campuses. Make sure you go through your child's school and, and purchase some of these meters or, or get a biologist to go with you and take readings before you allow your kids. Because, you know, that's the other that's the second half of this is your kids are at school for many hours a day as much as they are at home. And, and so that's very, very important as well, too. I really don't have a website, but I, I, I ask people to join the Children's Health Defense Council.
or you know you can look up stuff on the Envi environmental health trust that's another good um, link and they've got lots of good information on there well, sounds great. And uh, I really appreciate that the two of you have come on the program to discuss this. It's a super important topic. Uh, I'm giving our audience a chance to learn a little bit more about it. Um, and uh, I will just take a moment to let everyone know that you've been listening to this, the roundtable discussion. This is the 10th one that we've done. You can find all of those at uh, transparentmediatruth.com or on our YouTube channel. Uh, at Transparent Media Truth as well. So uh, thanks to the two of you for all of the work that you've done. Uh, and again, thanks for coming on the program and having this conversation with me. Really appreciate it. You guys have a thanks, great day. Doug. Yep. Thanks, Take care. Doug. Thanks, Eric. Uh -huh. Bye, Virginia. Bye. Bye, Doug. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Another great roundtable discussion that I had with Eric Windheim and Virginia Farber. I really enjoyed the comparison and contrast between the two of them. Eric had the scientific background, uh, but Virginia was able to really kind of elucidate the, uh, the politics of what's going on behind this and just her personal story with her son getting sick and then finding out what was really going on and then confronting this entire world. Uh, where politicians just don't want to hear it, where journalists won't report on it, uh, the big money corruption that's happening in the background, like Eric was talking about, the regulatory capture of the FCC makes it almost impossible for anyone to stand up against this. So uh, very frustrating, um, but great to know what's out there and the actual information concerning this 5G. I thought especially... Uh, just the information about the amount of electromagnetic smog that's getting out there in the world right now. Um, learning about how to be careful in terms of um, what's in your own house. You know, make sure that you're you're safe at least while you're sleeping at night. This stuff is it's just a classic silent killer. It sneaks up on you after ten or twenty years, decades of being exposed to this low-level radiation over time affecting your body in these negative ways. You can have chronic fatigue and not understand what's going on. You can start to have insomnia, anxiety, um, and then of course all the way to these cancer clusters that we're seeing around cell towers, uh, cancers inside your own home because you've been living with this again for, for decades at a time. So it creeps up and people really need to be aware uh, of the health effects of all of the electromagnetic magnetic smog, especially as this 5G rollout is occurring. On the political side, um, again, just something that everybody needs to be aware of. The 5G is extremely important in terms of the development of this surveillance state, of the big data that needs to be collected on all of us so that Agenda 21 can be rolled out, so that these corporations can have all of our information and know exactly how much energy they want to give us uh, to find out you know, if we're using more energy than they want us to use on this or less energy on this than they want us to use or, you know, what we want to buy or um, all of these decisions that we normally like to think are our own choices in a free society. Um, but with the 5G rollout and uh, all of this technology coming out uh, where these corporations and governments are going to be able to start keeping track of, of all of these and then making our decisions for you. Oh, we're going to shut down you know, that appliance that just uses more energy than we feel like you deserve. Um, 
Or, you know, we don't want you to go shopping at this store. We want you to go shopping at that store. We don't want you to drive here. We want you to go there. Um, it's just getting to a situation where uh, with 5G, we're going to be able to have this total surveillance state, the contact tracing potentially for any virus or any sickness that anyone may have. Um, and one of the things I thought was really interesting that Eric brought up was this machine to machine communication that 5G makes possible, which means, you know, uh, a lot of robots coming out to do our jobs for us, uh, so eliminating the job pool there, um, and also drones and other robot police officers and whatnot in the streets able to spy on us, able to keep track of us in real time. So this is what's all coming down the pike. I thought that conversation was a great introduction, and I urge all of you uh, to do more research and decide for yourself how you can protect you and your family, uh, and maybe even if you want to become a little bit more active on the political realm to try to maintain a society where we have the ability to choose uh, how we spend our time and how we spend our money, and not just centralizing all of this information so that some, under the, the rubric of the fourth industrial revolution or the Great Reset that we know is coming out of the World Economic Forum, you know, um, some kind of real serious surveillance state where uh, there's a lot of control coming down from authorities from above and a lot less personal choice that we're able to make in our own lives, which unfortunately seems to be the direction that things are going if we don't maybe, you know, work together, uh, inform ourselves about what's going on, and then take actions to stand up against this. Um, so good to know that that's happening. I want to thank Eric and Virginia for coming out. Uh, if you want to find out more about Eric Windheim, again, go check out his website at windheimemfsolutions.com. Uh, Virginia Farver does not have her own website, but she did ask that people go check out the Children's Health Defense Fund if they want to find out more. Um, those guys are doing some great work at uh, doing the investigative research necessary to find out exactly what's happening and also setting up a legal defense fund uh, against some of the liability issues that are coming down the pike and that have already happened. So um, you can check them out for more information. Also, as always, love to thank Rob Rubin for putting this one together. Find out more about Transparent Media Truth on YouTube at Transparent Media Truth. Or you can check out the website at transparentmediatruth.com. I have been your host. My name is Doug McKenty, uh, and you can find out more about me at my weekly interview podcast entitled The Shift with Doug McKenty. Uh, that's on YouTube and on Facebook. Um, I am at D McKenty on Twitter, and you can find out more at my website, www.theshiftnow.com. So thanks again for li listening. Hope you guys have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next week for the next roundtable. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone. Take care. Opinions and ideas expressed in this roundtable discussion do not necessarily reflect the views of Transparent Media Truth, but only those of the speakers participating in the discussion. Under the Copyright Disclaimer within Section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976, allowances are made for fair use of public content for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research.
Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that might otherwise be infringing. Nonprofit, educational, or personal use tips the balance in favor of fair use.